<laughs> might if I if I was like a a a, a, a Micah or a Brandon, it might have been a, a tougher. Role. Right, right. Drama, you have the kind of name people could just be racist just to see your name. <laughs> like if the teacher reads your name, like uh oh, here we go, Tyree's <laughs> on top. Yeah, there's Tyree with Tyree. Like, um, so so yeah, I mean, you know, like both my my dad was it was is super like politically conscious and and early on instilled in me like my blackness and you know like i got it but then you know i would look at my my skin complexion and be like wait something's not all the way you know when i said when people are like what are you and i'm like i'm black then it's like they they're waiting for an explanation you know what i'm saying so well they don't need one (laughs) yo i you know i just realized something (laughs) this i don't even know if you know this I know drama so long. <laughs> I know drama. I don't even remember how we met, but I know drama so long that I didn't even know he was DJ drama. Wait, what do you mean? I, I remember that. I remember like, that. Like, I, I don't know how we met. I don't know. I think it might be through J1s. I think J1s might be the link. That, that was somehow. We, that was, he might have first introduced us but I feel like I knew you before that, or maybe I knew you, you didn't know me yet, but I remember like, like you were on first for sure. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like five years ahead. Like, did of, you go of to fat beats or anything like that? Like Absolutely. in that era, but I remember like, I remember knowing this person, I probably forgot your name. So I knew this person and I would see him all the time. And then I remember hearing about this guy, DJ drama that was blowing up <laughs> in Atlanta. And I remember I remember, I know it was South Beach, Miami, Memorial Day weekend. I don't remember the year, maybe 2001. No, a little later. It was probably like 04. Yeah. And then, and then I was like, oh, that's my man that I always see everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they, they introduced him like, oh, DJ drama. And my brain was like, like restructuring, like, wait, what? That's DJ drama. The the one that was crazy. I remember, I remember, I specifically remember that time when, when we had that like second or third introduction and you put yeah. together. Yeah. And we was outside in the street, one of the, you know, in front of a club somewhere in Miami. Like it was like a Memorial weekend or something. And I was like, that's drama, but I know it. Yeah. Yo, were you, um, so when, when you grew up in Philly, <laughs> were you like super duper Phillyed out hip hop wise or just everything? I mean, a little bit of both, like, you know, I mean, you love three times dope or not. Of course, you know, I definitely loved everything Philly, like, you know, and especially when it came to like DJ culture, like, you know, Cash Money, Miz, Jeff, like there's this DJ named Ghetto who was a super like DMC champion. Yeah, I remember Ghetto. He was career. I saw him. He was on my DMC tapes. Yep, active was his little cousin. So active was a little younger at the time. But, you know, I mean, I also grew up loving the chronic loving outcast, like hieroglyphics. Like I, I'd say more, I was more of like, uh, more of like a backpacker than it was just like Philly doubt. You know what I'm saying? And so like I gravitated more to, you know, the roots and tribe and day line. Right. Smith and what about, but I also loved ice, like ice cube and ice tea were my favorite rappers. Well, that's all of us. That was the thing about this generation is it was yeah. just, it was so broad. It was always written like it was East Coast, West Coast, when really, if you I were loved, a hardcore head, it was everything. Loved everything. Like any- I mean, when, when I first found Outkast, 
I didn't uh, overly concern myself that they were from the South. You know what I mean? It's not until the, it's not until a couple years after the outcast when the South really started banging their chest saying we the South where it started to divide. It was just dope hip hop. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that was, that was the nineties. I mean, it didn't, I think that shit that, that, didn't start happening until like late nineties. Like, you know, I mean, I, if we think about it, you're probably partially responsible for, for it happening. <laughs> oh, the South. You're, you're, <laughs> like <laughs> those tapes. But, no, yeah. They were about thing. like they, you were DJing before you went to Atlanta and Philly. Right. Absolutely. Were you yeah. trying to be like a battle? About, king? Were you trying to be like, I wasn't trying cash to, money. I, I, I dabbled, but I wasn't, that was never my thing, but I was always like, super like when you know i studied like all branches so i would watch dmc tapes i would pay attention to club djs i would listen to the radio but like mixtapes i was always fascinated with mixtape culture from like day one from the first time i heard sns old school part two that was mm. the first mixtape i ever heard and then from then on it was like mixed ron g doo-wop tony touch like anyone that came out mixtape wise i was clue like what I was, about I was did you away. Did you like any of the like Baltimore club or Jersey club or did you mm-hmm. play any of that? A little bit. Cause you know, in Philly, that was kind of a thing. Like there was, that's a, what I'm saying. Like the way you have set. to play a reggae set in New York somewhat. When yeah. I used to DJ in Philly, I always had like the five or 10. You would, yeah. You would have those records. tempo bangers that rocked. Yeah. And then there was, um, what was the, there was a, um, um, what was the tough crew? They had a narrow Um, So yeah, we would you would have that set. Like you would have to play the 110, 115 beats per minute set and and get those records off for me. Yeah. It sounds like girls dancing and shit. Yeah, for sure. Now because you just because you just mentioned it, and I feel like we haven't haven't had enough room to ever mention DJ Cash Money. What in what did he do everything? Was he like radio battle everything? What was Cash Money in Philly exactly? So by the time I got hip to cash money, he was already like legendary status. He was probably a radio DJ earlier on in his career, but you know, he was, he was like a, a, a DMC champion. You know, he was like, he was a God at that point in time. So, but he definitely probably did everything in his career, but during my era or when I was hip to him, he was already like the OG of OGs when it came to that, you know? And were, and were you sitting there watching DMCs per, trying to match scratches people were doing, or were you always more just about playing joints and emulating the mixtape? No, I was trying to like learn how to um, like do the crab and, you know, get my transformer down t- tight. And like, you know, you're, when you're in Philly, you have like, you have to know how to cut. Like you're that getting- is true you'll get embarrassed. Like you have to have some type of skill as a fit. Like Philly is very technical when it comes to. Oh, matter of fact, turning our turntables sideways is called Philly style. Damn. I never knew that. Is it really? Yeah. That's how, like when I learned from Riz, that's, you know, when you put the tone arm on the top, Yeah, I think, I think Jazzy Jeff or cash money invented that. That's why we call it Philly style. Yeah, I always that's how I always kept my turntables. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, it's so awkward. I can't I try to go back sometimes because of the width of a table where my turntables are set up. I might be like, yeah, let me just go Bro, back to regular. It's you why you can't go back. It's why the IKEA shelves don't work as DJ tables. Even though I do it anyway, but yeah. But like as, you can do it, but the feet are half off on half both off, sides. Yeah. 
That's such a funny little detail that if you're not a DJ, I don't appreciate. So when you do your radio show right now, do you mostly just play joints? What's your show? Like how much actual scratching and blending do you do at this stage in your life? Um, well, I don't really even DJ on my radio shows. Um, I'm pretty much just like a, the, the host or the voice. How, but, how long has it been that way? Has it been that way f- for a long time oh, at this do you, point? Do you talk on, on your tape? Got a word here too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been like that for a long time. Like Cannon, <laughs> when we when we started the radio show, Cannon pretty much helmed the music side, and I was pretty much the personality. But when I'm in the club, like when I'm in the club, I you know I rock. I I don't do a lot of cutting anymore, to be honest. Nah, nobody. We none of us do. Yeah, but you know, but so. you do rock parties though. I've seen it. Yeah, no, I definitely, you know, and that was a stigma for a while earlier on in my career when I kind of got on and was like known as DJ drama, like that's DJ drama, like, you know, and I I guess a lot of mixtape DJs get that stigma, like, can you really rock a crowd or can you really rock a party? So um, it was always important for me, like, to be able to, to, to showcase that or let it be known, like, I can really come fuck shit up. Who was, the, who was the first rapper you ever met? Like notable. Who was the first notable? You're like, oh, shit, I can't believe I met them. Oh, that's a great question. The first. It's what, it's what we do. We do great questions. This is what we do. This is generally it. First rapper I ever met and was like, wow. Like, I sort of imagined it would be someone from the roots. Well, but but I, does that count as a wow? Because you already I, knew them. They right. weren't famous yet. Like, Got it. You know, this is, I mean, this is organic stuff. Yeah, that that doesn't yeah. count. Like, who was like, who were you like, oh, shit, I just met. Like, my first one was Mr. C. My first time going to a college radio station, I met Mr. C. And I was like, that's Big Daddy Kane's DJ, yo! And mine was, uh, mine was Biz. Oh, I remember mine. Here we go. I remember mine. It was so corrupt, wound up on my block on a random afternoon. As he would. Originally from Philly. That's right. Philly cat. And I remember somebody like telling me like, yo, he's looking for a DJ or something. And I wound up meeting corrupt like in the, in the early nineties, I might've met somebody before that, but I do remember meeting corrupt very early on at the, the height of like death row. Like, Oh my God, it's fucking corrupt. And, and what was your fresh year? First year at Clark? 96. So like literally I moved to Atlanta and went to got to Clark like when fucking um Illadelf Half-Life dropped. Stakes is high. It probably just came out. Oh, Muddy, Super 96. Muddy Waters so you, came out. Fucking the infamous album. I wouldn't even dropped. say I wouldn't even I wouldn't yeah. even word it as you moved to Atlanta. Okay. I mean I know it technically that's when you did, but it's like you went to school in Atlanta. Yeah, first you, know you mean, were like, just going to school, right? Like you didn't think this is going to be forever home, did you? Nah, I always, you know, my my goal was to always get to New York. Like, yeah. I really thought I was going to like have a New York live living, like in a brownstone in Brooklyn. Like you know, hmm. even before even before I went to Atlanta, like I thought I was going to go to NYU, live in New York, and and live the New York life. But I, I went to Atlanta, like really loving it. But I thought I was going to do four years and then transition somewhere else. You didn't get in NYU, did you? I did. I get in NYU, or could you not afford it? Because it is wild. Yeah, expensive. it was expensive. I didn't. I got a scholarship to Clark Atlanta University. So. Well, that'll do it. 
Yeah, that's why I went there. Now, Cy, funny, funny note here about um, Clark Atlanta. Is, My, sorry, go ahead. Is Clark HBCU? That's right. Yep. And the H, the H for you stands for half. <laughs> half black college university <laughs> or, or <laughs> half black. So, so um, black colleges and universities. Sife, so my my only connection to Atlanta is, I mean, to Clark Atlanta, I should say, is that my brother's one of my cl- brother's closest friends went to Clark, and when you got there in '96, he was a junior, probably, and I'm pretty sure y'all know each other. A uh, big cat. Oh, that's you my know, man. <laughs> you know, that's my brother's best friend. You know, from FCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat Keenan, yeah. Um, Taye, oh, that's my, oh my God, Cat was my man. So yeah, well, was, was he promoting parties already? Was he? He was. He he. Yeah, he was. If he wasn't, if he hadn't started, he was. It was right, right around that time. So yeah, if I was, yeah, I think Cat was still in school when I was there. Yeah, was, a junior or senior, I'd say. It was like a junior or senior, yeah. And they were they were uh doing parties and then like he graduated and they started doing bigger parties and bigger sponsorships. But FCC, CAC was probably his his company was one of the first sponsors of like early gangster girls. Like even before they were like the the way we know them now is as like many as albums of artists, like Cack and his team used to sponsor the tapes when they were just like collaborations. They wow. all early affiliate tapes. Like those were our guys. Wow. That's crazy. And how, how did you get your way in? Like, what was your, you know, everyone, I, I had my own path when I got to Maryland of how I found my way into the radio world. How did you get into the, the DJ situation at Clark when you got there? It was easy really because I was at school and like being in, and going to Clark and having a CAU, Spellman, Morehouse, Morris Brown, there was so many opportunities to do parties. So just being a college DJ, like, you know, whether it was DJing over at Spellman at this thing that had Market Friday or doing fraternity and sorority parties or just like, you know, word spread fast, like, oh, there's, you know, I mean, and there was still a handful of DJs, but like, you know, being a college DJ in Atlanta can get you very far. And, you know, it, and were you known, like, were you know, like, were you doing parties for like people like you that weren't from Atlanta, like that were from other places? Well, it was everything because, you know, when you go to school, there's so many people from all over the place. So it literally trained me to be a better DJ. Yeah. Cause you got to cater to every different yeah, market. I had to learn fast. Like, Oh yeah, I can't be playing fucking Dr. Octagon blue flowers. Like, you know, I got to, you know, I got to get my go-go crate up. I got to get my Texas shit together. Louisiana wants to hear their shit. Like California's in here heavy. Like, so, you know, you definitely had to, had to transition and be very well-rounded going to school in Atlanta like that. And I was, but at the same time, I was still like in my backpack bag too. So I would do like, you know, I know that from the Dr. Octagon reference, but yes, keep going. (laughs) We had to do like a, there was this club called Yin Yang Cafe. Um, and it was like a, it was like a dope spot in Atlanta where, you know, I, I remember seeing Erica Badu there early, like the, the original black eyed peas there and they would have like poetry slams on Wednesday. So that was like my first like residency or, or gig. I would DJ that. And then my roommate, um, my sophomore year was this, uh, guy by the name of Rubik's. And he was like, yo, my best friend's about to get a record deal. 
His name's Talib Kweli. Like he runs with this this um, label called Raucous. And I was already a most deaf fan from UTD. So like I met Kweli early on. Um, Rubik's? Yeah, you know Rubik's? That sounds familiar. Yeah, Ru, Ru used to be around the Nkiru book days and yeah, like that. So like, yeah, it sounds familiar. As I was still doing like the college things, I was also like when Lyricist Lounge would come to Atlanta, like I would get that gig and I was doing that and and like, you know, MC battles. And so I was in the underground hip hop scene as well as the college scene. Um, Were you and- doing any schoolwork at all? Good question. Yeah, I, got, I graduated with like a three point six, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, this guy was killing it. Yeah. I had I had my scholarship, then I lost it, and then I got my GPA back up and I got it back. So I I got I had a scholarship three out of my four years of school there. Did you get to a point where like you and where you were like legitimately popping at Clark? Like oh, it was, yeah, a, I, was the, I was the guy. You were the guy. It was yeah. parties at smell at Spelman were a good time in those days, is what you're saying. Yeah, I was the like when it like when we were in school, I ran the campus like I became like DJ drama was and me since the canon, like we were the top of the food chain when it comes came to the college DJs. And, you know, I was in between classes. I was hustling mixtapes. I was on the yard like so, you know, my shit started to spread like I was making early tapes and, you know, such a great era, man. Yeah, it was, yeah, hell of a time. Such a great era. It was but like, it's pretty, but like, you you really need to, not that, listen, everyone knows and, and has, I think, a real appreciation for what you did, but on this Nerdy Hip Hop podcast, it's really important to take, like, we are all sort of kids of the, the first mixtape era, the real first mixtape era. The difference between everyone who was like that and you is that you then actually changed it and turned it into the next era of mixtapes. Like, you did that. That's crazy when you think about it. So what did Sife and I do? Dick. Sife was chasing around Funk Flex with French fries. You know, I was doing a college radio show for 12 people. You transformed <laughs> the fucking mixtape game. That's crazy. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to think about. Yeah. It really is. And and, and to some degree, am I right in saying that like, you know, I, I was always trying to copy Flex, so was Sife. In in some ways, were you just trying to copy SNS and do a version of the the guys that you love? To be honest, I was really copying Green Lantern and Who Kid. Those those were who we copied. I mean, obviously, like, you know, like, Clue was like the ultimate god of of mixtapes. And Flex was the god of, like, just a a figure of hip-hop and marketing and, like, being everywhere. You know what I'm saying? But, like, came to what we did from the mixtape standpoint, like literally our blueprint was like green and who kid like we were. Yeah, I think, I think clue as far as like our type is concerned. I think clue didn't miss. He could have, he could have hit a little more underground and it wouldn't have been too foreign for what he was doing. Hmm. Every once in a while, he would put a joint that was, you know, like I always, I, there's a thin line between street, and underground, like yeah, Sife talks about this a lot. Yeah, and he could have, he could have, he could have repped, you know, most and quality a little bit more, not overly, but that's why I think Green and who, because Who Kid did a lot too, and Who Kid was street. Yeah, but he would put that 
kind of underground shit on there. But I'm gonna yeah, tell but- you what I'm gonna tell you even in a bigger landscape or making it make sense of what I really did was was basically I copied everything that was going on in New York City and applied it to Southern music. Mm, and that's what yeah. nobody was doing. Mm. So, so when like when New York, like when mixtape DJ started to get hosts and like the, the transition started to change, like w- with the Dipset era and 50 and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, we were taking all of that and applying it to Southern music, like Southern mixtape DJs had different formulas and different styles. And so like, like when I did what I did, like, I remember like the mixtape stores telling me like, yo, that's like, if you're making a a, a down South mixtape, don't talk on the tapes. Don't, you know, play exclusives, freestyles. No, none of that. Like niggas in the South don't want to hear that. And we literally took Southern music and apply the up North formula. And that's that's really what took off. You know what I'm saying? Cause that was what was like, fresh you know what i'm saying it wasn't like we invented the invented the wheel but like oh when we were having killer mike freestyles and tip freestyles and you know making the t- type of tapes we were making where it was just you know a, a, a all ti tape or gz tape like that was brand new to the south you know right. so that was literally like the blueprint we took in a sense i didn't even think about it that way do, do yeah. you do you guys agree though like i sort of was putting blue in the uh, later stages of the first era of mixtapes. Like, cause I was listening to clue in high school. Like, and that's still when Ron G and SNS and all of those dudes were. So, I mean, unless you consider kid Capri another era prior to that. Cause it kind of is right. So like, when did Capri tape start late eighties, yeah, late 89, 89, 89, yeah. late eighties into the, to the, but mid- that's not even, Capri was more recording his parties and and selling those. Yeah, that was that era. Wow, that's which is which is crazy because it's almost related to the true early days of hip hop of the MCs at the parties being yeah, recorded and them becoming the tradable. I think tapes. that's it was more of that. Because I, really, I think Capri used to sell tapes like when he always talks about he was selling tapes in front of Willie Burgers. It was the party last week that he recorded. Mm. That was the, that was the original mixtape era. Like, cause it was the recording of, of the parties and then they would, you know, everybody would want to buy them and they were selling them for 20, $30. What were you, what were you selling your tapes for at Clark? I would do one for five, two for seven. Yo, isn't that crazy? Five. Because the, One for five, two for seven. Incredible. This motherfucker yeah. kid Capri is out in the street selling them for 30, $40 a pop. It's wild. But, but there was a, there was only already you know, he only had twenty of them, <laughs> right, right, right. And he sold the drug. By deal. the way, I probably only had twenty two at the time. But I mean, again, this is pre gangster grills. Like I didn't even start gangster grills till I got out of school. But you know, Flex said some ill shit to me one time. We were talking, and he was like, "Yo, when it comes to like mixtape DJs, or like when you think about the eras, like everybody had their time of being like mixtape king." And he was like, when you became the mixtape king, he's like, there's no one that's came since to take the crown from you. Like, you've literally had, he, he literally. T- You're like Queen Elizabeth. I've had the longest run. Yeah, you really have. Reign, if you will. Like, if we really, if you say like 05, 06, that was when I had my shining 
you know, top of the food chain. And like, we're here we are in 2023. Hence, hence why you went to jail, because you was on top for too long. He was only in jail for five minutes, right? Well, you're not jail, but got fucking raided. That's how that's how on top you were. Slay? Slay wasn't Slay was up there. Yeah, but Slay when the raid happened, Slay Slay went to making straight stunt and he stopped making mixtapes like that. Right, right. For the most part, I mean, I'm sure he did a, a tape here, here, or there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not like how now. Yeah, it wasn't the main source. I, I really of, continued, you know, from there. And then what's how did affiliates become a thing? Affiliates became a thing because you know before we were affiliates there were the super friends mm-hmm. and it was crazy because it was at a time Sife, like in Atlanta when Mars and trauma used to like run shit and they were both kind of like, they, they were somewhat mentors to us, but it was also a very frustrating time because trauma was on fire and I literally couldn't go nowhere and say my name and people not get us confused. Mm. His real name. Oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm so used to it now. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, but like you know, he was on the radio. Like you know, he was he was in the clubs. He was doing Chili Pepper. Like he was he was on hot. And it's crazy because his best. I thought about changing my name, and his best friend, who was Mars, was like, "Yo, don't don't change your name for nothing." Like. Cause K Slade was the drama king. There was DJ Trauma. There was a rapper named Drama. I was like, nobody's ever gonna think about me when it comes to this. Like, I'm gonna change my name. And Mars told me not to, but we they also put us down to be part of the Super Friends. So me, Cannon, and and Sense were like the youngest of the mm. Super Friends. Like and you were opening up for them and stuff and doing. Yeah, we were the we were the younger guys, and they were very party orientated, and we were more like mixtape orientated. So there were some times when we would like kind of butt heads and things like that, and then you know we had somewhat of a falling out, and then we just decided like, yo, we can do our own shit, and we started. But the- did you know each other in Philly, or y'all met at school? Uh, we all met at school. We didn't. And know each- you were all from Philly. We were all from Philly. Yep. The Affiliates yep. is one of the greatest hip hop group names ever. It's fantastic. Uh, it's so like it's I'm, it's crazy that no one had that name before. You. With all due respect, much cooler than Super Friends. I mean, if I'm being honest, <laughs> yo. By the way, how funny is it? So my brother just texted me and popped up my computer, and he's like, "What you doing?" I was like, "Actually talking to drama." We we just talked about about CAC, and I I said I didn't know we sponsored his tapes. And Nick wrote, "Yeah, FCC, blah blah blah." And then he wrote there as you were talking about it. He goes, "There was also DJ Trauma." Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fucking wild, bro. Um. Wait, well, I was thinking about Tommy Tommy's Tommy's Super Friends. Tom has had a hell of a hell of a uh, a journey since, so he's doing he's doing just fine. <laughs> um, who do you do you have someone who's like your absolute number one? I mean, f- for me, it's DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, is there one person who you just go like that's the that's the guy? Fuck. Cipher, you a Jazzy Jeff guy? Of course. You number one. He's not my number one because. Uh, you know, I always like, you know, uh, it depends what it is. It backpack, yeah. college is Riz, yeah, but I always party is doo-wop. But it's because I was around it. I wasn't around Jeff. I respect Jeff's skills now, but it's like a, a little bit later. Like Jeff, obviously, when it comes to parties, it's like he still he still puts me on all like. But if, if honestly, if I if there's if I if there's really just one if there's really just one, it's probably, it probably would be flex. Like, wow. I would, I would probably say flex. 
Like, well, just, like your number one. Not, like when it comes to like branding and like like competitive spirit and like yeah, that's for sure. Like, like you know the type of shit that I'm into. Like fl- like flexes. Like he was every he was everywhere. Like from albums to clubs to Great television point. to like you know just just his his mic game like. You know, even out just how he talks on the radio, like to this day, I, he, I, I always I'm like, yo, you're the only one, you know, that's really keeping radio alive on radio. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, um, like I, I remember the first, you know, for me, like the first time that, you know, he he like introed me when I came up there to, to see T.I. When I was up there with T.I.'s, T.I.'s DJ and like he introed me on New York City, like it was like the biggest moment for me, like. You know, even just recently, like come, being in New York and taking over the airwaves with him and, you know, having that moment, like I, I put on my Instagram caption, like, yo, if somebody would have told me at 13, like I'd be sitting shoulder to shoulder with Funkmaster Flex, like, you know, and we'd be playing my records like I wouldn't have believed them. It's, it's pretty cool to hear from me, too, because I imagine people would see all of the things you've accomplished as a DJ. I can't hear you. The, I can hear there's too much echo in this Atlanta mansion. Sorry, I, had to, I, I hope I don't make you guys dizzy. I have to move around a little bit. Yeah, he's got to go to another wing. Just stop when you get to the next wing. It's fine. But like for, for all of the things you've accomplished now, you know, with from all your mixtapes, the, the, the Grammy with Tyler, the, uh, the success with Jack and Uzi Vert, everything you've done, I think it's so cool that for you, the, the funk flex moment, even that recent one, six months ago, whenever it was, is still that big a deal for you. I find that to be awesome. I mean, I have a lot of those moments, you know, because again, like as much as I've accomplished and like to say that, you know, I'm going to go down in history as one of the greatest DJs of all time. Like I'm still that same kid who had dreams of being here, you know? So like I, I, I have the when I'm in those positions, like, yeah, I have those moments where I'm like, yo, I'm I'm literally on hot 97 with Funkmaster Flex. Like he's fucking making a movie out of my record and I'm going back and forth talking cash shit on the radio with him. Like it's like, you know, the, the kid trying to be a DJ would have never believed it. Like he would have never believed it. So yeah, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Like, it, it, I mean, and that's just, I just think that like when you lose, when you lose that, when you, when you, you know, like we can get very jaded in this business, especially like after being in it as, as long as, you know, we've all been in it. And it's like, you know, when you lose that, that feeling or like when, when things don't give you, you know, that inspiration or, remind you of what you do it for. It's like, yo, you, it's, it's, it's time to, to, to hand it over. You know what I'm saying? And that's another, that's another thing I love about flex. Like he's still to this day is like so competitive and like, loves it. And, and that's, and you know, that's how I love, I love the game. And I'm one that, you know, obviously my, my label is called generation now. And, you know, I, I embrace the youth and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 45 this year, but you know, I have that competitive spirit in me or that we can tell a moment where it's like, yo, I, when, you know, I want to keep my foot on their necks. Like, you know, I want to, I want to go down as the best of all time. And that's a great point because when a lot of people, you know, it's very regular at hot in particular, um, certainly with, with it, like 
you know, between Ebro, myself and Flex, there's a lot of like, get the fuck out of the way. You're old. Flex is the definition of you're not. It doesn't matter if you're 27. You're not hungrier than him still right now. Why the fuck should he give up the spot when he's still outworking you and he's rich? He doesn't have to work. Man's got like 30 cars. He's done everything. He's done everything there is to do. And he's still working harder than you right now. And, and that's how I am. Like, you know, I've had th this run that I'm on just recently. Like, you know, it's like I don't have to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to put out the, um, the multiple of mixtapes or, you know, go as hard as I do. I run a very successful record label, but I still thrive and still love this shit so much. Like, you know, as, uh, as many accolades of, as I've had or the success of yesterday, like, fuck all that. It's like, what am I about to do tomorrow? Uh, I just had a, I, I was just in Houston. I was having dinner with somebody and they were talking about like Rihanna and Rick Ross. And like, you have all this, you know, things you're responsible for and things you've done. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I'm happy about it, but fuck it. What's today? What's tomorrow? It don't mean shit. That's that's, that's what matters. I mean, yeah, like, you know, we, we want to live off the accolades, but yeah, okay, that, that shit was cool, but what am I going to do tomorrow? But that's, um, that's yeah, that hunger, bro, is, is good that you, you keep that because I try very hard to maintain that feeling. Even the smallest to the smallest level to the biggest level like I try very hard to remember that feeling of how much I wanted this how much I fought for it and things that I the losses I took the wins I had and it keeps you focused I never let it you know make me go ah, I made it I did it you know what I mean that's when you like just give up after that it's done that's that was it. that was one of the silver linings I don't even know the scythe but I am divorced <laughs> Wait, what? There's inside joke drama. Don't worry. It's his every <laughs> So I'm divorced. I will say that was a silver, one silver lining of the divorce was that within like six months, it brought me back to hip hop in a different way. Because in order to sort of get over the current emotional drama I was having, no pun intended, I found myself again sitting in record stores and putting together my, my little album I put out. Like doing all that was legitimately what saved me from the worst period of my life. And I was kind of removed from it because I started doing the sports shit and I'm doing this. And it's like, Oh yeah, of course hot's there. But it was, it was becoming a bit of an afterthought. Yeah. And I got slapped back to like, wait a second, you were a person, you were a person before you ever met your ex-wife, you were a person first, who was that person? And that person was someone who was super passionate about this. Mm -hmm. Hip hop will it's, do that. Hip hop will save your life. Well, what are you looking at? Well, what room are we in right now? Is this just a closet of some sort? Yeah, this is the closet. I got to find my charger. I'm literally like fresh off the road. I'm I'm promoting an album. I've when, been, when's your album out, yo, DJ Drama? Uh, Friday. This uh, Friday? Uh, March 31st. Here we go. Bro, that, 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 that Juice remake with Queen Latifah. Oh, my God, bro. It's I, only, so I only saw the first couple. How long is the whole thing? Just two minutes? Two minutes. Okay, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Two and a half but minutes. There's, but there's but, five of there's five of them. Oh, that was just part one. It's part one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's why he told me stay tuned. Yeah, there's more. Did Bro, Jim but that shit is so dope that you recreated that. That, that, that how, how crazy is that? And that and again, that's like that's that's another thing that I was talking about. Like that, like that was like a like juice. 
is the reason why I became a DJ. You know what I'm saying? And so to be able to recreate the movie, like, right. so spoiler alert, but by the time this comes out, you know, I shot with Omar Epps, Raheem and Steele. So I got the whole cast. Oh so we God. literally, I did the record store did scene. Did you get Tupac? <gasps> you did the record I, store scene? I did the record store scene. I, I played Tupac in some of the, the scenes. So I played Pac in the, in the apartment scene and I played him in the, um, I, in, at the locker. I'll tell you where, what. Where was where was that Queen Latifah scene? Where did you shoot that? Uh, in New York at um, damn, what was the name? It of was that? in Midtown, right? Yeah, it's a new club. It's kind of popping now. Damn, I forget the name of it. I gotta ask Jim. Oh, Jim uh, Jones. By the way, Jim Jones actually directed this, or he just yelled things. No, Jim Jim and his partner Will directed it. Yeah, I called Jim and I was like, "Yo, are you still are you still directing?" And he was like, "You know, like things here and there." And I was like, I got this idea. And I told him. Oh, Jim talked. directed that thing that I saw? Yeah, Jim directed that. Oh, shit. So I talked to, I had, you know, I had originally talked to Omar about it. Like, I had ran into o, o in New York. And we, we I told him my idea. And he was like, he is shooting in New York. Super busy. But he was like, yo, I love it. I would definitely be down. And as I was, like, you know, playing it out, I was like, damn, what if I could, like, get Khalil? Um, who played Raheem. And then he he told me, like, you know, um, he gave me Steele's information, Big J. And I reached out to to Jet uh Jay Hopkins and then we got him. And then, you know, I I I hit Shaquem uh and told him the idea, Shaquem from Flavor Unit. Mm -hmm. And that just happened to, you know, when I did the Grammys, I I was part of the 50th uh hip hop celebration and Latifa was there. So, you know, I saw her. She was, she had already I knew about the idea. She was interested and I told her about it. And we literally like shot it like two days after the Grammys. Saif, do you know what Queen Latifah says when she's on set doing something like that? And she gets like really frustrated and like she can't take it anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the joke you're trying to make. Uh, no, go ahead. What did she say? <laughs> she goes third person. And she says Latifah's had it up to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was horrifying. Um, we did, Tyler reaching out to do the album. Am I wrong in thinking that was sort of the timing of like the battery being put in your back about like going crazy and taking over again? Um, no, you're not wrong. Um, it, it's, it's, it kind of happened organically, but the definite, definitely like, I feel like Tyler and the success of that project and it winning a Grammy was, you know, um, a big part of the Gangster Girls resurgence. And, you know, from there, it just was like, you know, I just was like, you know, I was kind of like just getting focused, like, you know, just being in our 40s, like, you know, just eating right and drinking a lot of water and, you know, working out. I've been on tour and like, you know, I just I just got in the zone and it was like it, I just went full throttle, you know, and did you have any thought that, I mean, of course you knew a Tyler album would be a big deal because you know this business and you know Tyler's a big deal. But like, <clears throat> was was Grammy remotely on your mind when you listened to it, when you like heard the project? We went in the second the second session that I was in there, my, my business partner and best friend Lake came to, the, to hear the music for the first time. And he was like, yo, y'all gonna win a Grammy for this. And he like said it like subtly, you know, and but I'll never forget him saying that and me kind of like just like hearing, you know, him hearing him say it. So then when the 
when the Grammy nominee and another friend of mine, DJ Infamous, I think he also said it when the album came out. And, you know, it wasn't like, obviously you don't go into it thinking about a Grammy. Like you just, I knew it was going to fuck shit up. Like I knew it was, it was a dope piece and that, you know, just for what people weren't going to expect or, you know, I remember doing interviews during COVID and being like, yo, I got some big shit coming. You know what I'm saying? And it's Tyler, like, obviously, you know, he's, he's a goat in his own right. And just the fact of us coming together. Um, so, yeah, like when the Grammy nominations came in, it was pretty surreal. And then I just, I don't know, there was a, there was a part, it was some stiff competition because it was Certified Lover Boy. It was the off season. It was King's Disease and it was Donda. But I always felt like we had a, a shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely felt like we had a good shot of winning. And then when we won, it was like, this is, you know, that was unbelievably surreal and definitely one of those moments again, where I was incredibly humbled by like, you know, thinking about where I started and where I'm at. I gotta go. I'm starting to get jealous. I don't know. He's got a, he's got a hell of a career life or a couple of failures. I gotta go. Be. I gotta go. All right. See you later, dude. Starting um, to get jealous. Wait, wait, uh, I need to, you know, it's a, you know, drama is a great person to ask about this so, and from a different angle. So we have a, we have a going joke on this show that's very real Sife has been around a million times when people say weird shit about me being jewish right we, we have a famous clip we play of <laughs> who are they who are they with again uh wait, capone. yeah or capone capone from, uh, from cnn like we, we were filming we have this video and some dude who's with cnn they're like yo that's the jew n-word you're the fucking jew and yo Yo, and they keep saying it over and over again. And it it doesn't quite, it doesn't sound quite loving. It sounds like right on the verge of like, is this, is this weird? On the flip side of that coin, your mom is Jewish. You are, which makes you actually Jewish, regardless of your amount of celebrating. Yep. That's Jewish law. Have you been put, you have to have been in awkward situations where people are saying wild anti-Semitic sounding shit about Jews and don't know you're Jewish. Yeah, a couple. Uh, I've been in that, that situation a couple of times. And do you say anything? Are you like, I haven't even always said something when someone says something weird. I'm like, all right, got to keep it moving. But like, it's kind of, it must put you in a weird spot at certain times. I mean, even the Kanye situation is yeah, like. I've never been around nothing too crazy. Just, just the typical, like, I feel like it's been like the typical, like, Jewish people stick together conversations. By the way, the most overrated. Yo, <laughs> yo, I, I'm so glad you brought this up. Me and my brother were talking this weekend about this friend, this mutual friend of me and my fiance, and how not like that shit is. It's you know how everyone says that's the problem with black people. We don't stick together, unlike the Jews. Nah, the Jews will hate each other, but they'll do business together. Yeah, what? Shut the fuck up! Like you that. don't know. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No, that's facts, son. The facts. only reason it looks that way is because they have to do work together because Hollywood is very Jewish. It's not them sticking together. It's like nah, they, they don't matter, son. Nah, nah. No matter what, they put it away to just yo that. Yo, we are the most hating on each other, just like everybody else. It's such a tired narrative. And it's a bad narrative that's unfair to black people, too. Like, black people always hating on each other. Yeah, Guess what? Everybody hates on each other. Thanks. Especially people like you. 
I have known beef with every white rapper who's ever come out. And half of them became like my best friends. But when they came out, I'm like, who the fuck is this? This person's ass. That's just what people do. Familiarity. What is the line? Familiarity breeds contempt. It's just sort of the nature of the beast. I don't Um, know your Jewish slogan, son. I know. It's crazy because I think when I first, like, early on in my career, I didn't, like, I didn't tell people I was Jewish a lot early, like, if you go back and like look at early like magazine interviews and shit like that, like it was more, I think I focused more on like the world knowing I was black. Like, which by the way is, is, is part of that biracial thing we've talked about. That, that makes sense given the way the world looks at you. Yeah. But then it was like, I feel like there might've been certain opportunities I might've missed. <laughs> People knew I was Jew- Jewish earlier, earlier on. You got to do what Ebro does. And when it's a pro, when it'll be beneficial, say like make it sound like we and when it's not beneficial make it sound like they mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta just pick your spots shabbat shalom oh you're jewish oh yes you did yeah i feel like most people i feel like there are a lot of people listening including cypher sounds who had no idea you were jewish to this moment i had no idea yeah yeah you're not taking advantage of your business opportunities son there's clearly there's more that could be done here yeah all right or you need to be at Shabbat dinners at people's houses in LA. There's so much that could be done right now, bro. We don't need to burn any Torahs. That's for sure. No, <laughs> burn a Torah, bro. It could get yeah. you a feature on Don to three, but you know, besides that, you got issues. <laughs> now, speaking speaking of um, of Jews and hip hop, um, weren't things that? Uh, I mean, by the way, we're not big on gossip on this show, but I never no. ask about this shit. And I we're talking Jews. We're you and Drake are good, right? Never right on time. <laughs> what do you say? I don't know. My charger, oh, you, you almost got out of it too. Oh, you just let the computer down. What the phone almost died? The computer. Computer. I had to charge up. You and you and your um Jewish biracial brother Drake are good now, right? Yeah. Were you not good at one point? Cast yeah. one filled me. There was a thing, he said something on a song. He oh, he I'm shaded so- drama. I, I I don't even know it. Literally, cast one is the beef translator. I'm like so old and washed now that I don't even know, especially like yours was kind of obvious. It didn't take like a genius to hear what was being said. But there are some things, bro, in these records. I'm like, I just miss the old days of like a lot of people missed that one. They did. That was that was missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go back and hear the bar, it's I mean, he says the word drama does. He? Yeah, he says drama like mm-hmm. it's not that coded. But like back in the old days, you remember on the fucking three times dope shit? He just goes, when I was with Steady B, I had everything. Yeah, but I was with that nut EST. He can't give me nothing. <laughs> so it was so blatant. Now it's like it's it's a, which I understand. It's a it's a different fucking ball game. Like, but what's fuck what's up? Compton. Yeah. Yeah, fuck Compton. It wasn't like a little <laughs> and then here's what's so funny about beef and rap. Then you think about the most pronounced beef. And by the way, I'm not talking about like the fucking drill, real street shit that's just set on records. I'm talking about rap beef. Like Drake and Meek had like the biggest beef in rap. And literally within what? 15 months, 18 months. At the most two years, they were on a record together. Referencing Meek says on the Drake record. I just popped up the other day. I heard on the radio. Meek says on the Drake record, a thing about going back to back. 
Mm-hmm. He's referencing the record that he was fucking murked on at the time. It's like the it, NBA now. Don't get me started. No, don't get me started on the NBA. First of all, we'll bore, we'll bore Sife to tears, but that should draw that's And I hate being the old man who's like, why is it so soft? But at the same time, like everybody has to be friends. Really? Everybody. Yeah. Kobe wanted to literally kill every other human being playing in the NBA. Yeah. He's a different monster. He's another, another great Philly cat. Speaking of which, What's Uzi Vert like? I haven't seen Uzi in, in many years. What is that cat like besides very rich and successful? He's very rich and successful. <laughs> He's, um, what's the best way to describe him? He's a workaholic. He stays in the studio. Um, he, he loves to shock people with a different hairstyle daily, if not mm-hmm. multiple hairstyles daily. And, you know, he's 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 really focused right now. Him and Cannon are in New York, like trying to finish up the pink tape as we speak. Um, hey, you had drama with him a little bit, too, right? That was a moment. What are you? What are you, you turning this into a gossip show? What is what is this fucking academics? What are you talking about drama? <laughs> I actually didn't even know this more stuff that I missed. Is that a thing? It was. But everything's yeah. but but now if I were to guess and I, I'm not reporting this, I'm simply guessing. I kind of have to imagine you then you, you played a big part in Uzi coming out at hip hop 50. We got him to do that at the very last minute. I'll tell you that story, right? Well, yeah, you told me uh, your version. But oh, you knew about that, Sife? I, I saw Quest at SNL the next day. Yeah. And he told me the whole, the whole oh, shit. It was crazy. Literally. Like he was texting you and then his phone died. He, texted, he was like, please, can we get Uzi to do it? Like, you know, it was some people that dropped out. I don't, I don't know if it's in my, place to name them. I didn't I didn't say who it was either. Yeah, yeah no, no, we didn't. Yeah. I mean, two very, 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 very big and important artists literally dropped out during the show. And one of which for a reason that I heard that was very weak, if yeah. I do say so myself. That's why we're not gonna say. No, no, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it, but it was weak. That I that I would agree. The other one was very warranted. Okay, got it. So you lost one for warranted reasons, one over bullshit, and you needed something to fucking close this thing out. Yeah, and you know, originally Vert was the song was um was part of the the um the original shebang, but you know, for reasons unbeknownst, he was not on the final, you know, performance day. Um I think because he 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 didn't make it to rehearsal or something like that. And then literally, you know, 10 minutes before we go up on stage for Hip Hop 50th, like Sean G and Quest are texting us like, please, can we get Vert to do it? And we was like, yo, we'll see. So if you like, if you watch the shit, he literally like walks up from his his seat onto the stage to perform like, fire. I just, but it was so it, fire, like just the way, cause it went from like planet rock to I just want to rock. Like it was- bruh. Such a and also, like, I know you ended up not you guys didn't win the Super Bowl, but it was before the Super Bowl where like West Love was orchestrating all of this. It was like a lot of Philly. It was a Philly excitement. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. It was a lot of Philly part of the, the whole thing. It was dope. I mean, it was me. It was Uzi. It was Quest. It was Jeff. Like. Adam Blackstone, like, yeah, it was. Charming. It really was heavy Philly. I didn't even think about it. No, like that. I, you know me. I don't give a fuck about sports at all, but I know that 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 Philly was being in the Super Bowl had this extra little if missed in the air of. of yeah, of we were all talking about. Yeah, we were heavy Philly. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl next week. Like I remember we were backstage. Matter of fact, we were backstage arguing. Nelly and Charlie Mack were backstage arguing about the Super Bowl, like literally right before we go on stage. I mean, I know Nelly wasn't talking about the Rams anymore, who aren't even in St. Louis. He was claiming the um Kansas City because you know, Oh, oh, I wonder if people you know what? If I was from St. Louis and the Kansas City was now this good, I'd be a Chiefs fan too. He was claiming them. He was claiming. <laughs> you know, I never thought about the fact, and I don't know if you were around the creation of it. You know, when you have those hip hop things, you notice that are so fucking obvious and staring you in the face, like, um, like me not noticing that the run and running is from Run DMC, like really obvious shit that like is just. The other day we played. Uh, I want to rock on the radio, and then we were doing this thing for Hip Hop Fifty, and we played It Takes Two. And I never thought about the fact that the intro to It Takes Two is the sound of I Want to Rock. It, you know what I'm saying? What sound? Doom, 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 doom. I Want to Rock being what? Uh, I'm sorry. It, it Takes Two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock starts with yeah. that boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Which is the He's exact same, same sound. I want to rock? As, no, as Uzi, I Want to Rock. Oh, is it? Am I wrong, that? Drama? No, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I don't know if it's the same sample, like but now interpolation, interpolation, interpolation. It, it certainly, it certainly sounds like that. Next time, next time you play, next time you hear, if you hear, I want to rock. You know, Sipes on the oldie station now, so you may not hear I want to rock, <laughs> but you'll hear it takes two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want me to listen? To it takes two every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, do they? They don't play shit that old, do they? Do they play shit that old on the reg? Yeah. Really? Well, if I hear Ja Rule and Jennifer Lopez one more time, I will literally take my belt off and Jeffrey. No, 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 that. No, no, no. Wow. Now that is prime for the block. Now, Drama called me a couple weeks ago, Saif. Definitely. He called me hot. He was like, he was like, he was like 50 songs. Y'all are trying to count down 50 fucking songs in, in 50 years. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is impossible. What are you even doing? I was like, Drama. It's like, it's like a radio bit. I'm trying, we're trying to just do something that's funny. But he was getting over and he did have a great idea. He suggested do 10 songs or do 50 from each decade and do the top 250 of all time. Nah, that's too much work. But that's too much work. But, but there's no way you can pick 50 songs in 50 years. Like it's absurd. We're, we're on an absurd. T- it's really fun every week, but it's an absurd. And then last week, my um, Siphon, my friend and someone you've met because he runs the board at Hot um, Shawnee Culture, he picks songs too. And now Shawnee's starting to fall in love with like trying to get songs picked. And then last week, this motherfucker goes way too far in trying to get a song picked. He went with Ja Rule always on time. I saw that. I, I watched it. I, I almost had him fired from the radio station for doing always this. on time. And then he came back with what? Um, in the club. In the club. Yeah. Which is fine. In the club is winning. It's going to win. It's going to be it's going to be chosen to play. Love you better. <laughs> I was like, oh, because he was like, he was like, this dude's from Queens. He's for the ladies. And Syphe was 01 to 06. So I'm like, oh, Queens, ladies, 01 to 06. Got to be that classic Neptunes and LL. No, always on time. And then Laura comes with fucking Hey Ya, which is not a goddamn rap song as much as I love it. I'm sorry. It's not. Yeah, you're reading Billboard charts now. Yeah, now we're chasing Billboard charts. I don't know if that would have, should have been included. It shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been. Ebro went off. Ebro was out of town. He went off today about it. He was disgusted. And I was I, I was on the same page. I went, we gonna make it and through the wire. Sort of just to be controversial, because no one thought I'd pick a Kanye West song right now. But like 
through the wires going through. So if we're doing, so if we're using 2022, 23, are we, do we include, I just want to rock a little Uzi? Well, we're going to get up to the, the, I think we're going to stop at 21 because, but by the way, it is going to end up being in that category, but we're, that's we're, like a, hey, that's like a, Hey, yeah. Except the beat is way, it's still more hip hop than Hey, yeah. Yeah. That shit reminds me more of Bam, like Bambada and it takes two. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I was a straight, was a straight up rock riff with pop vocals on it. Now I have a list here, drama. I pulled, I pulled up. Oh, we got to go. We got to go. Okay. We so, all got to so, go. Everyone has to go. Guy's okay. album. Well, the album's out uh, Friday. Drama, what's the name of the album for the people? It's called I'm Really Like That. And are you giving out all the features? Are you doing that whole thing? You telling everything? You keeping secrets? I'm just coming out. You're not saying it. No, when this is coming out? This is coming out before your album comes out. Like, yeah, this is coming out this week. I mean, so it was a couple. Tyler's on there, obviously. Yeah. Jack Harlow, damn right on there. What do you think? Um, Uzi's on there. Damn right, Little, he is. Wayne's on there. Nipsey Hustle. Wow. Nipsey Hustle. What's the what's the process like for getting a, a a Nipsey verse in this era? Nipsey used to record a lot in my studio in Atlanta, Mean Street Studios. Um, oh, so you were sitting on a stash. You're sitting on a gang of Nipsey stuff. I wouldn't say a gang, but you know, we definitely had a a, a verse in the stash. Wow. That made the album. That's amazing. Who and who else? Anyone else? Of course. Who Remember? else? Cy High, La Russell. Love Cy High. Cy High. Love Cy High. Love La Russell. This is a great fucking tape so far. Yeah, it's got some shit on there. Roddy Rich is on there. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Um, West Side Guns on there. Ross is on there. Damn right. Yo, cookie crack in the air fryer. It's a, it's a solid project. It's really solid. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm excited, man. I'm excited for you. I'm happy you get your credit. Because I don't know if you heard about uh, Cypher Sounds of Rosenberg. We never get our credit at all. We were um, just, just disgraceful. We're the old school rappers outside the club who trying to remind the the the, the bouncer who we are, and other people are like, "No, nah, that's Grandmaster so and so, that's us." <laughs> you know what Jay Z said? I did I do it for the cold crush, but then didn't give the cold crush anything. That's us. That's us. That's Nori. That's Nori going. Yo, I do this for Juan Epp. Did he say you, that? Guys, you guys are the OG podcast. That is fact. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that except fucking government cheese. <laughs> yeah, but, but by the way, like many of the old school rappers, with all due respect, not all, it's it's our fault. There were people who did the right thing. We were too busy keeping it real, you know? I was just, why actually, I was just watching Drink Champs and when uh, Joe was talking about you had the early idea of producing a show for him. And he was like, you know, you saw the vision. Fucking loser! I got drama. What, drama let, me get a, let me get a dollar. What you, what you got in your pocket? You want, you want my Venmo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, listen. I botched that. That was a big time botch. I do have an idea up my sleeve to try to um, do something similar and actually handle it the right way. But like that one was. Uh, and Saif, Saif was so right. I, I was. I would not show up to the podcast. The reason I'm not do. I, I stopped doing the podcast was I was too lazy and I didn't want to go in. And after the morning show, because I was so beat. So I was like, oh, oh he's going about Joe Button. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so meanwhile, I look back at that time. I didn't even have a second job yet. What the fuck was I even doing with my uh, day? You're a lazy piece of shit. No, no, you're you're a hundred percent right. I am a I am an absolute lazy piece of shit. Would you say you had a list or something for me? Yes, real quick. Sorry. 
Um, <laughs> he loves lists. Yeah, it's a list. It's a list from Deadspin of of drama mixtapes. Okay. I want to try to throw a random one at you and see if you have a like a first story that pops to mind. Masai, what do you think about closing out like that? Sounds great. I'll start with my favorite, my personal favorite, the one I played out the most. Pharrell, in my mind, the prequel. You already knew. Anything um, stand out when you think of that one? Canon Ghost mixtaped that mixtape. Meaning? He did all the, the, the way the tape is put together. Yeah. Canon did the tape. I didn't, all I did was talk on it. Those are his skills on the tape. Did you really get all the ice creams you wanted? Um, I, a lifetime, I think you said, you said, I got a lifetime supply of ice creams. Yeah, I, I did not. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> classic hip hop lies. I, I knew, and by the way, what does it mean when you say uh, DJ the fuck? Dr DJ, DJ the, the fuck drama. DJ the fuck drama. My it man, just, it was just something I ran with. Like, I don't remember where it came from. It was like DJ the fuck. It doesn't make sense. Wait, that, and why? that sounds very Atlanta. I was, so, I was just so arrogant and such in a bag. I was just like. It doesn't matter. Just say it. I just was like, DJ the fuck. And why Mr. Thanksgiving again? Because I feed the streets. Feed the streets, of course. Sorry. I, that was Bravo, can I ask you, can I, I want to go out. Can I, can I go to one of your things coming up soon? Absolutely. But like, here's the deal. Okay. It's the only way I go out nowadays. Oh, wow. Here you go. He's about to high, high ball. Here we I got to walk in with you, bro. I can't. Yeah, of course. I can't be standing outside. I never the security guard knows me, but the other. No, I'm going to tell you something right now. You might not be up on this because drama and I are, are semi-regular contact. He's the only per he's one of the only people I'd say you don't have to. You don't have to walk in with him. He will actually make sure someone comes out to get you. Make sure oh, it's the worst. It is the worst. No, just come through. What are the details? Just come through. Wait, I saved you. I saved you once. Did you save drama? Like a laptop plug or something. <laughs> this could be real. Headphones. Somewhere. We were somewhere. And I was like, I need a da-da-da. And I was like, oh, I got the whatever it was. The da-da-da? That could have happened. That could have happened. So I'm like, yo, I need a USB cord. I was like, I yo, Sife, Sife, if this is your line to the doorman to get into the party, you're <laughs> fucked. I gave him a USB cord once. <laughs> Nah, man, bro, I'm super happy for you. I'm looking forward to the album. Looking forward to these juice promos. Appreciate it. Thanks. You got a problem mixtape? Um, little ditty? Separation. Yo, did you, did you, let's, I'm sorry to bring this up, but I have to. Uh -oh. Did you work hand in hand, pause with R. Kelly on the demo tape? Uh, no. <laughs> are you lying? Are you lying now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, people from Atlanta never admit anything about R. Kelly. Like, it's horrible, bro. Okay, I won't ask any more about R. Kelly. Because um, I, oh, I think the... the that is one I think of the, the unspoken gangster group. <laughs> you know what? Run, this should be removed from this article. When I run down the list, I don't... You don't list one. that one anymore. What about um? What about Gangsta Boo, the late great? Oh, yeah, that was a fun one. I honestly don't have many memories of that tape. I'm not going to lie to you. When... I for, I had forgotten we did a tape. What about the so only many, man. what about the only gangster grill that I know Syph and I were shouted out on? Uh Childish Gambino, Stone Mountain. Oh, that was I was so excited to do that one. Um he came to Atlanta. We worked on it at the studio. Um 
you know, I've, I've been a fan since the very beginning and was very vocal with him early on in his career. So he grew up on gangster girls, you know, and he's, he's a, he's an Atlanta guy. Sure um, so yeah, that was, that was a really dope project. You know, I, I love the left field ones, the, the stone mountains, the Pharrell's, the yeah. dead Perez, the little brothers, like dead, oh, the separate, but equal. Yeah. How did that one, how did the, how did the little brother one come to be? We ran into each other at um, the club. I was talking about Yang cafe. They had a gig there and, you know, I just did, we came with the idea. They were like, yo, we wanted to do a gangster girls. And this is early on when it was still like a very trap orientated brand. And, um, you know, it just was like, I was so excited, you know, even to like pay homage to my backpacker roots to do that tape. Like, so but like it, bro, even when you look through your whole list, to be honest, that's what's so cool about you. It's such a mix. You have so many random underground joints and legend joints put in here. Rhapsody, Ghostface, Nipsey. It's just like you're all, it's not just the Jeezys and the right. TIs and the ones everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, that's why I, when I named New part two? the album, I'm really like that. Like, you know, like what I've given to this culture and the things that I've been a part of. And like when it's all said and done about what DJ Drama's legacy is, is like, you know, like I am hip hop. Like I'm really like that. You know what I'm saying? It, like I'm that, laughing because it's so true and it fits so well. Now I get how you got there. Yeah. Like there's, there should be no question ever about what I've done and continuously do for this culture. Mm. Well, I, I can't no. speak for, I can't speak for Scythe, but I will certainly never question that. <laughs> <laughs> man. Thanks bro. I, we really thanks, appreciate Trump. it. Nah, I love you guys, man. I appreciate it. And let's you do, said, you know, let's try to do it in person. It doesn't always have to be album promo. Yeah, yeah, anytime. Love that. We love that. Bro, we would sit, we would have you in when we're interviewing another like legendary DJ. Like when we have Jazzy Jeff, would love to have you just pop by. Like whatever it is, bro, you can pop by anytime. Let me know. I'm down for that. Appreciate you. DJ Drama album. I'm really like that Friday. We appreciate you, bro. Love. Yo, shouts to DJ Drama. Scythe, he is among the most regular of the successful yeah. cats you can find. Yeah. Did you feel a little gross when, when we asked a couple of gossipy questions? Like the second I asked the Drake question, no. I felt like the reason, no, the reason why I don't feel gross about it is because it's always in the vein of like real hip hop. Like I think not, so. We're not trying. We, of course we always say we're not trying to do gotcha moments, but it's like as a hip hop person, how did this situation feel? You know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm not trying to get him to say that thing that sets off news about him and Drake, but I was legitimately curious. Yeah. About I mean, listen, Jews, you know, we all stick together it's as weird. everybody like, knows. I feel like I feel like I might have uncovered something that like, like is that vert little Uzi Vert thing not really known? I guess not. I don't know. Is that known? Anyone know that? I think I'm, you I'm know what? I re I remember I was you know what it was? I thought, you know, because I'm not in the mix like that. So, like, I was with drama once when something was kind of happening and he was venting to me about the situation. So maybe I thought it was out, but maybe it wasn't ever really came to fruition. Maybe they worked it out before, you know what I mean? Before it became like a big thing. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know of that at all. I always thought they were they were Gucci. Yeah. By having him on Zoom, actually, and him just in his house, tired and relaxing, yeah, we didn't get full promo mode drama. Yes, we. It ended up working out because when he shows up in person, he's well, he's in the zone right now. He's on. But like we yeah. got him kind of off, which I kind of liked because he's great and charming even when off. One, I I I didn't want to go gossipy enough to ask him about 
um, Khaled because there's clearly some weird shit with him and Khaled. Yeah. But, oh, right. but the funny thing, remember the story I told about realizing he was DJ Drama? Mm-hmm. We were both walking into a Khaled party at South Beach, Miami, Memorial Day weekend. That's what we were outside waiting for to get into. Oh, wow. By the way, Saif, is everybody left in our room right now among your workers? Uh, I guess they're still there. How no, are, these, in? are all of them your people? What do you mean? You think we have like just loose fans? No, no. Like I, I thought, what if it's still like label guys? Pull what up participants. Guys? Hit participants. You can see everyone what is there. What label guys? I don't know. Dramas people. I didn't know they were on. I neither did I. I don't know. There's just so many names. And I'm like, could all these people work with Scythe? Who's PR? That's me, you dickwad. Oh, yeah. Duh. Justin, he was he was at the show last. No, last I, know, I remember Justin. Yeah. Lucas is the new guy. Lucas is a wanna stand from Toronto. You know Cindy is do? still there. You know what we should do? I know what we should do. I know what we should what? do. What? Talk to on, our, on our Patreon this week, we should have a little hello to these guys. Oh, good idea. Is that a good idea? Anyways, yeah. guys, thank you for being here for drama. Um, subscribe to Patreon. Patreon.com slash life. There's an incredible Billy June story that you need to hear on Patreon. Plus, you'll get to meet all of Sife's indentured servants. Not all. No, no, like a third of them. But I'm off to WrestleMania this week. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Oh, peace and blessings, man. Yeah, man. Peace Bye. and blessings.